It's time for the Property Podcast, where every week, tens of thousands of property investors, new and experienced, join together to get news, knowledge, and laughs at our expense. With me, Rob Bentz. And me, Rob Dix. Join us every Thursday morning for your weekly dose of property ideas and motivation. Then head over to our website at thepropertypodcast.com to keep the conversation going. Now though, let's get started. Hello everyone and welcome to the Property Podcast. It is episode 143. I'm Rob B. With me is Rob D. Hello Rob. Hello Rob. It's been quite a week, hasn't it? Just a little. <laughs> yeah, uh, so we record this on a Friday morning and I think we're both a little bit less peppy than we normally are. <laughs> <laughs> when we're greeting each other, it was like, uh, you're right. We're, going to get, we're getting there now. Um, and I'm sure we'll be fully there by the time we get into this week's topic, which is where to invest in 2016. Um, loads of really good stuff coming up on that. But yeah, it has been a bit of a week. Do you want to, um, to start us off, Rob? Well, first of all, we got some great news on the next issue of the magazine. We have a bit of a property superstar being involved. Can't say too much more just now. Um, so actually, this is just nothing more than a cheeky teaser, but we are very excited. So for those who subscribe to the magazine, I think you're going to be very impressed. And if you don't, why not? It's blooming awesome. And so many people told me so at the meetups last night, Rob. Oh, see what I did? Very clever. Yeah, last night um, in our world was meetup night. And well, first of all, it was a really bad idea to do meetups on the same night that our looking back on predictions episode went out. Because I had so many people to say, like, oh, great episode today, Rob. I love how wrong you were about London. It's like, oh, yeah, thanks. Um, so that was a bad bit of planning. But other than that, I was in Richmond and had a fantastic time. Um, there must have been about 40-odd people down there, maybe more. Roxanne and Scott doing an amazing job down in Richmond. Just really great venue, great atmosphere. It's just so positive. Loads of people with all different levels of experience pulled in from lots of different parts of London and the surrounding areas. And it was just a really, really fun night. I was pretty knackered when I turned up um, for reasons that I'm sure you'll get into in a minute. But by the end of it, I was just totally energized and found it really exciting. So it was an absolutely brilliant night down in Richmond. I highly recommend getting along to that one if you are anywhere in the area. And Rob, you were in St. Albans. I was in St. Albans. Um, clearly, as it's December, I was pretty lazy because it's a 20-minute drive from where I live. But it was a great meetup. New venue from where I've been there last time. Great venue, actually. Really, really nice. Chris does an awesome job. It's our longest-running meetup. And we had over 20 people there. I think Chris said about 25 at one point. So that was awesome. Just so many nice people. That's what I like about it. Nobody's trying to sell me anything. No one's shoving business cards in my face. Everyone's really nice. Just really, really nice, chilled out evening. People traveling as well. Someone from Colchester, someone from Gravesend. Unbelievable. So hi to everyone I got to say hello to. Sorry to those I couldn't get round to, but it was a lovely evening. And I'm sure at some point next year, I'll be back at the St. Albans Visa. But keen to try out Richmond. Sounds ace. Yeah, it's really great. Um, I'm sure all the meetups are, and all, all the ones I've been to so far have been fantastic. And I had a few conversations with people last night about the about the format and people saying how much they enjoyed it because it was so relaxed. There wasn't any pitching. There wasn't any education. It was just kind of getting there and, and having a chat. And I think really that's the whole point of it. Like there's so much 
educational material that we can put out through different avenues. But the thing that we can't do through the magazine or even the forum or the podcast is to get people who are living and investing in the same area in a room and getting get them to share that kind of street level knowledge in the way that's happened at the meetups that I've been to. So it's really brilliant to see that happening. And I just find it really exciting because it's coming up to well, it's not quite three years since we started this podcast, but it's pretty cool that we just started doing that one day. And now lots of people are getting to know each other in pubs and venues around the country once a month. It's pretty awesome. It is. And talking of pubs, Rob, well, pubs slash bars, restaurants, we were busy the night before with our yellow party, which may explain why this week's been a little challenging energy-wise. So we met up with our yellow team for the first time for many for many of them, which was absolutely bonkers because I feel like they know them so well. Yeah, it was really good fun. The, the weird bit for me was how not weird it was, like meeting people for the first time because it's like we already, we'd speak, we speak to them all the time, feel like we know them pretty well. We met up for the first time and it was like we'd known each other for, for ages. But yeah, it was a really fun evening. We did a, a little bit of planning for, for next year, um, talking through some of our current challenges and, and our plans for those. But let's be honest, we did a lot more of not that and just everyone having fun. But it was, um, I think that was pretty valuable in itself. Yeah, it was. It was really good. Okay, so time for our new story. We've been busy, but so has the government, and mostly in a negative way, but actually some positive news for once. So there we go. We are balanced here at the Property Podcast. And HS2 is to arrive early at Crew six years early. Well, you may be thinking, if I don't live in Crew, how does this affect me? Well, actually... It stands to affect a lot of people. We'll link to this in the show notes, and this is very much worth a, a read into this. Essentially, Birmingham was meant to be complete by 2026, and the rest are 3032, if on time. But what they're proposing is getting the second part to crew one year later in 2027. Well, why would that matter? Well, actually, what it does is it speeds up the journey times to Manchester, Liverpool, and pretty much the whole of the Northwest a lot sooner than expected. So journey times are going to come right down. And I'm going to talk about this. I won't give a spoiler about areas to investing, so we'll touch on it then. But this is really, really big news. I know it doesn't sound huge on the headline, but actually when you read into it, it's going to have a huge effect. And the journey times into London, but also to these connected cities as well, are just going to be slashed, and this can only be good news. Yep, it can only be good news. It could also be the, surely the first time that the words train and early have ever been used in the same sentence. So <laughs> that's uh, worthwhile just for that. So the link to that news story will be in the show notes, as well. Lots of, we're about to talk about lots of other links um, as well. You'll find all of them in the show notes, which this week are at thepropertyhub.net slash where to invest 2016. So let's do exactly that then. Last week, we talked about predictions. This week, we're still looking forward, but a little bit different because we're thinking about where the places might be if you're thinking about investing to stash some of that cash. Rather than just reeling off a, a list of locations, before we do that, we need to look into where these investment ideas come from. So what we need to take into consideration, and we actually look a bit clever here because all these things we've talked about within the last last couple of weeks, so it's a bit like it's been leading up to this. Um, not actually deliberate, but it works quite nicely. 
So first of all, all the changes that we've talked about in recent weeks. So first of all, there was the tax bombshell from over the summer. Um, I said there'd be a lot of links. Um, we've got a video course about that and a podcast, in fact, a few podcasts um, covering that. You'll find the links to all of those in the show notes. And another thing to take into consideration is uh, the stamp duty changes, which we got into on last week's podcast. So we'll be linking to that as well. So these are all, there's always tinkering going on, but these are fairly substantial changes. And that, of course, is going to be factored into where we think see things flowing next year. Other changes to take into consideration are, as we just mentioned, HS2 which is the fast train lines up from London to Birmingham and then splitting out to Manchester and Leeds. That's going to have a huge, huge effect, not in terms of just the end product, but also getting built as well, the amount of money that's going to be poured into that. Journey times are going to be slashed. It's going to make a massive difference. What I'm just as excited about is HS3, which is connecting Liverpool, Manchester, Leeds and Hull and beyond together and hs3 is going to make a massive difference the journey times between those cities at the moment is nothing short of a disgrace to get from liverpool to manchester the majority of journey times take around 50 minutes that's going to come down to 20 that's a huge difference there's no way on earth why it should take 50 minutes to get to those two places but it does so hs2 and hs3 are going to make a big difference see the show notes for more on that as we've said also, the London bubble, we covered that recently on the podcast on what's next for London. And we've also covered it in the last two weeks since the stamp duty changes. So again, we've got to take into consideration the London bubble when we pick our places to invest. And of course, where would we be without the 18-year property cycle? We've predicted a wobble for a while, and it's been really reassuring that this wobble has appeared as we expected. Now, you may say, well, why would you welcome a wobble? Well, if you expect a wobble and it happens, then you've got even more confidence in the predictions you've got for yourself and your portfolio moving forward as well. So 18-year property cycle is a must. We've done podcasts on that. So make sure you go to the show notes this week, which is thepropertyhub.net slash where to invest 2016. That's thepropertyhub.net slash where to invest 2016 and you can get all the podcasts all the show notes related to what we just said okay so that's all the context then that's all the things that we've been thinking about over the last week or two while we've been putting this episode together so let's get into it then rob you're up first name your places okay so for me i'd say follow the new fundamentals there we go got the f word in follow the new fundamentals so if you look at the best places to invest traditionally, you, you look at up the M1, you look at M40, up the M6, and you can see the major towns and cities dotted all around them, plus the East Coast and West Coast rail lines, the current fast train lines that we have. That, for me, when you come out of London, are that tend to be the key places to invest in the North. Now we need to follow the new fundamentals, which is the HS2. And I think this is going to have a huge effect. So places you would expect to be affected are Manchester, obviously. Leeds. Leeds is incredible. When that regeneration happens, it's not a train station. The regen project in and around Leeds Station will be one of the biggest in Europe. It's just mind-blowing the amount of money they're going to spend there. And, of course, Birmingham. Banks relocating to Birmingham. That seems to be a lot of good news in and around there. I've not really touched on Birmingham too much before. But, again, another place I'd say really strong in the to look at and, and maybe invest in the coming year. So the real 
juggernauts of the of the North and the Midlands, Manchester, Leeds and Birmingham. But of course, you would expect me to say that because they're, they're the big guns. But there's some areas that you wouldn't expect me to say to consider as well. HS2 is going to dramatically affect the following areas. Crewe, Warrington and Chester. So if you have a look at Crewe, the project there and the money spent for the size of the town is just phenomenal. The amount of money getting poured in to the size of the place is just mind-blowing. Crewe itself is going to go under probably the biggest regen project it's ever received. So that's going to have a massive, massive impact to the area and surrounding areas. But when the HS2 goes to Crewe, it's going to speed up transport links to Warrington and Chester. And you'll be able to get to War- from Warrington and Chester to London in under an hour and 15, which is which is incredible. So Warrington, I've talked about before, as a you know a prime area for the best fundamentals. It's, it's just going to improve further. And it absolutely kills me that I talk about Warrington all the time. And in five years of running RMP, I've never got a deal there. So I'm overdue, people who want to sell quickly, a deal in Warrington, because I've given you enough press. Um, Chester, an area I really like, I've personally invested in myself, I think will benefit massively as well. So you've got the big guns, Manchester, Leeds, Birmingham, but look at those surrounding areas as well and dig deeper into the story because these places are going to benefit as well. And this all ties into, Rob, what, what we talked about earlier, the 18-year property cycle as well. And these areas have in their turn in the cycle too. So it's a combined effect of all the Northern Powerhouse stuff and the cycle and its turn and its time happening that makes me confident about these areas. Well, it ties into a conversation uh, I was having with someone last night down in Richmond um, where we're talking as seems to happen a lot about London and um, what's what it's going to take for, for things to equalize a little bit. So London isn't just like racing ahead of everywhere else. And it feels like some of the things that you've just been talking about could be what it takes. I mean, because ultimately, if, well, what's going to happen, like property prices and demand and everything else is going to go where the jobs are and everything else. And people are always talking about balancing things out. Politicians are talking about it all the time, because obviously, it's not much of a vote winner to have everything happening in one corner of the country. But has anything been happening about it? A lot of the time, it's just fiddling around the edges. But we're now seeing some fairly chunky stuff, um, which is going to make a big difference to, to transport, to employment, to all these things which drive... Um, um, the housing market and drive demand for housing. So it does feel like this is all going to make a fairly substantial impact. If you could live in Chester and commute to London or vice versa in, in, in an hour and 15 minutes or something, that's unbelievable. That feels like a real game changer. It takes longer than that to get across London. It's just that that would be absolutely amazing. It would. I've already been on right move and I'm not kidding. Um, <laughs> but that's me pretending to work. Yeah, that's to be fair, I've done it. I do that every day for any excuse. And you're right, Rob, it will make a big difference. But also, as we mentioned, things that will affect property prices in the future. We mentioned HS2, but we can't forget HS3, which we, as we, we spoke off air, actually are more passionate about because it's it's embarrassing the transport times between places like Liverpool, Manchester, Leeds and Hull. And you go across in a line and that you think, oh, they're close, so it should be easy to get to them. It's not. It's awful. So HS3 is bringing the journey times right down, dramatically down, you know, over 50% of current journey times, which is just 
incredible if it happens and it looks like it will now the government seems to really really want this to happen and seems to push it forward and if they this government if they seem to want something they seem to get it so that is worth looking out so merseyside will benefit greater manchester will benefit leeds and surrounding areas will benefit and obviously going over to the whole area as well now mentioning places like that I'd say my final comment, Rob, is now we're in where we are in the cycle. We have to look for undervalued areas. And the new tax changes regarding stamp duty will make them more attractive to investors as well. An example being Sunderland, one of my properties there, which was featured in the magazine earlier this year. There's an article on the deal I did there. I got it after discount, admittedly. So this is an after discount price of 71000 and when I took it on, the rent was six fifty. It's just been let for seven fifty. So a purchase price, let's say the value is ninety five. So even if I paid full price, seven fifty rent a month against a ninety five purchase price, it's just bonkers. And clearly shows that Sunderland's undervalued. And you can look at some of these areas, and I don't want to steal your thunder, Rob, because I think you're going to mention an area that I believe is undervalued as well that offers you know potential returns for the future but Sunderland other areas to look at you know other areas in the northeast with strong fundamentals you've got to remember the fundamentals the Wirral where I'm originally from I've been working hard to try and do stuff there because if you look at where prices have been compared to Liverpool and all the other surrounding areas massively undervalued so Sunderland Wirral and Rob one I've touched on a couple of times already but I know you want to talk about and I'll I'll let you uh go into more detail a few other places as well where the value can be had yeah yes absolutely um I think the key point about your Sunderland example which ties into something that I'm going to talk about is like say that's a gross yield of about 10 percent you can get gross yields of 10%, um, 15% probably, if you buy really cheap, horrendous stuff in lots of places where people don't want to live. But this isn't one of them. I know from the magazine feature that this is a pretty prime plot. And that is the interesting thing about this and shows where the value is. And that's something that I'm going to be talking about in a minute. All right, Rob, where are you considering investing in the future? And if people are asking you, Rob, 2016, where should I put my money? What's the answer? Well... All I can really say is what I'm a fan of and where I've been looking. This isn't with any great economic insight or anything, but I'm a, a fan of the Midlands for pretty logical reasons, really. There's nothing hidden in there. It's just the fact that in the Midlands, um, you've got some, some great transport links. Um, there's lots of industry and that it's that whole undervalued thing. There's still loads of places where you can pick stuff up below 2007 prices, and it seems to have a long way to still to go. If you're going to pick out some specifics, um, Mansfield is one place that comes to mind. It's not an area that I know in any great detail, but I speak to a lot of people, and a lot of those people are talking about Mansfield. It's one of those places where there's been some regeneration. There's loads and loads of employment, um, especially for HMOs. I know a lot of people who are doing HMOs in Mansfield because there's just tons and tons of demand. Um, lots of like, big local fulfillment centers for the big retailers around Mansfield. And again, if you look at the prices and you look at some of the yields on offer, um, it appears that there is a lot of room for that to go. 
also to tie it back into HS2, phase two of that, um, when they branch it out from Birmingham up towards um, Sheffield, one of the stops is proposed to be in Long Eaton, uh, which is just on the periphery of Nottingham. So that could be very interesting because right there, you're right on the M1. You're suddenly going to be on HS2. You've got the university right there as well. So that's not somewhere that I've personally been looking, but it seems like there is a good argument for doing so. And it all ties back into transport. Transport seems to be the theme. Like Also in what you could broadly call the Midlands, you've got places like Northampton. And again, Northampton, not an area that I've looked at or know particularly well. But I've been speaking to more and more people who commute into London from places like Northampton. Now, that's not my idea of fun. That's not a particularly quick or joyous journey. But it happens, and it's been happening because people have just been getting pushed further and further and further out of London um, in search of somewhere, especially if you've got a young family where you can actually have a home with a garden and all the rest of it. And whatever we say is going to happen in London, I can't see that trend dramatically reversing. And so you've got all that plus all the local demand, and there's loads of employment and stuff around the Northampton area. So that's, that's somewhere else where I think there is value to be had. It's not like we're picking some random place in the middle of nowhere and saying this is going to be the hotspot. It's all pretty obvious, and it's not like you're getting in at rock bottom. But I think if you're the type of investor who's been quite southeast-centric um, and now because of the changes and because of where prices are, you're starting to look a little bit further afield to, for value, but you're not wanting to go all the way off to the far flung reaches of the country. These kind of areas are pretty safe. They're solid. Uh, they're going to be reliable in terms of demand and there's value there. I agree, Rob. Northampton. It's part of that ripple effect. And you say, you know, not nothing based on economics, but, it, you know, you, you are talking about a ripple effect, people being priced out, moving on. And Northampton, areas like that, rugby, for example, lots of regen going on there. These areas are definitely going to benefit. Peterborough is another one that people have seen to have talked about in the past. And then carrying on that theme, that's where HS2 will have an impact in these areas as well. So it's that, that dual impact of, of the North. So I I agree I think, you know, we we actually struggled with this podcast because we are quite often aligned in our views and there's nothing there that I go, whoa, not, don't agree with that. So I feel pretty much aligned to, to your beliefs too and, and what you see. And we're talking about similar things. And, and yet Northampton doesn't surprise me that people commute because actually you can, even though Northampton sounds miles away, you can get from Northampton into central London than you can say from some of the home counties. The journey times are absolutely horrific from from some of them. So, yeah, it doesn't shock me at all that people are doing that commute. Okay, so we're aligned on all that. I'll throw a spanner in the works in a minute, a little bit. But first of all, shout out for Hull. Their Capital of Culture year is coming up. Don't laugh. 2017 capital of culture in Hull. So there's going to be again large scale investment there. We've seen it before in Liverpool. Um, I think Dublin's had it in the past as well. It's that kind of big scale investment. And that's what you need to be looking for because there's always stories about things that are going on. But as we've said before, you know, a facelift for the local supermarket isn't going to do it. But when people are pouring hundreds of millions in, then you can pay attention. But I cannot finish without talking about the property cycle, of course. And I think the interesting point about this, this isn't an original point. It's not my concept, but it's something that I bang on about a lot in the book that I've got coming out in January, is about how you can use the property cycle to get an insight into where you buy 
within a city. To take it back a step, when you're talking about house prices and when people talk about the UK average house prices, I don't have a lot of interest because it's just not helpful. It's not like I'm going to buy a property in every place in the UK and therefore care what happens to the overall prices going up or down. You can extend that same logic to cities themselves. So last week, I think it was last week, we said that prices in Leeds, for example, had gone up 7% in the last year. Okay, that's fine. That's moderately interesting. But does that mean that every property in Leeds has gone up by 7%? No, of course it doesn't. There are going to be big variations in that because there are lots of different types of property and there are lots of different areas of the city. And that is where the property cycle comes in because there are points at the cycle when you can pick up prime property cheaply and then there are points where all the value there has been realized and you need to start moving a little bit further out to find the pockets of value and every city is going to be at a different point relative to that so if you take places like um, Manchester and Leeds and places like that where in terms of their cycle they are relatively near the head of the pack you'll already have seen in the prime areas some big gains happening And those gains are yet to filter out. So if you're looking for value, those aren't the places to look. You'll be wanting to go a little bit further out into the secondary locations to find that value. There are other places, and this is where it ties back into Sunderland, Rob, like you mentioned, where they're way further back in their cycle. And therefore, you can buy prime units and be getting getting a fantastic yield on them, a yield which seems pretty much too high, higher than it has any right to be. And that shows that there's that upside there. So I think when we're talking about where to invest, it's useful to an extent, but it's not the whole picture. So that you, you can say, oh yeah, buy in Manchester, buy in Birmingham or whatever, but all places within that are not equal. And that's where the property cycle, I think, once again, is the key to everything because it tells you exactly what you should be buying and where you should be buying based on where we are right now. So in terms of where to invest, it's like, yes, cities, but also areas within cities and property types within those areas. I completely agree. Love it. Yeah, I completely agree, which is probably boring for the listener, but it's nice for our relationship. Um, so, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I agree, Rob. If you can find you know, a good deal in the city centres, then great, jump on it. But if you're not buying below market value and you're just looking for a deal yourself, then then I would do exactly what Rob said. You know, these secondary cities, if you like, and so I wouldn't name them now because people are like, I don't live in a secondary city, but we've named a few, um, or secondary areas. They're the ones where you need to be buying Prime now. And if you have bought Prime in Leeds and Manchester, congratulations. But if you go slightly out, and this doesn't mean going to the roughest areas of these places, so I'm not saying pile into Moss Side and Manchester, but if you go out, for example, I've invested in Sale, in Manchester, if you go out slightly, then there's real value there and growth, and and there's other places as well. You know, Stockport, for example, um, Salford, um, to use Manchester as an example. So there are places to to look at and consider outside the immediate city centres. You may feel a bit more warm and fuzzy about being in the city centres, especially if you predominantly done all your work in the southeast, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you're really chasing the value, I completely agree, Rob. Great finish. I think another example of that is um, let's take Hull, where it's like I just said, city of culture, loads of money going in. Does that mean that all that money is going to ripple out to the far flung reaches of Hull and you can go and buy somewhere 
for like 30 grand on the outskirts and watch it rocket in value? No, of course not. That's where the whole thing ties together, really. I think in conclusion, we don't have a crystal ball. I think we've demonstrated that quite (laughs) amply in the past. But it's just kind of, it's applied common sense, I suppose, isn't it? All of this knowledge is out there. There are no secrets, but it's just kind of taking it all and putting it into some kind of picture about what's likely to happen. And no one really knows. But I think it's fair to say that there are some places that you could put your money next year where you're going to have a greater likelihood of having a good long-term result than others. And that's kind of what we've been talking about. So that's where to invest in 2016. I hope you found it useful. It doesn't mean now that you have to start hammering right move in all those areas. Use the concepts and the theories that we've talked about to come up with your own areas. You may want to go into where we've described, but using the same concepts and ideas and thought process, there's plenty of other areas out there too. Now, coming up, we've got our resource of the week, and we let you know about next week's topic, which I think will be very popular. But before that, let's please give our gratitude to... Beth, 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 yeah. Who's left us a five-star review? (laughs) Great name. I wonder if that's a real name. I hope it is. I'm relatively new to property investing, and I'm guilty of what's been termed analysis paralysis. But I've one property rented out, and I intend to get a few more. I'm used to getting information from books and websites, and it's refreshing when convenient to be able to listen to Rob and Rob whenever I want. The podcast is informative, relevant, easy to understand, and are not too long. They cover a lot of information in a friendly, articulate manner. Good stuff all round. Well, thank you, Beth, Beth, Beth. Yeah, that's a great review. Thanks very much. And if you'd like to leave a review, please do. I spoke to someone yesterday who told me for about five minutes how much he loved the podcast, which was really nice. And then I asked if he'd left a review and he went, oh, no. I was like, you just told me how much you loved it for five minutes, please. If you like it that much, then please do leave a, a review because it, it, it's nice um, and it helps the podcast. So if you are enjoying the podcast and you feel you're capable of talking about it for five minutes to somebody else, then feel free to leave us a review. We'll really appreciate it. Yep, it's a very, well, I was about to say a very easy, it's a relatively easy um, way to show your appreciation and we really do appreciate it and you'll get a shout out on the show as well. What's not to like? Okay, resource of the week time then, Rob, and you've put in this week, so why don't you tell us about it? Yes, so previously I've used an app called Pulse for my RSS feed. And I've talked about how I wasn't happy with it in the past, and I've tried a couple of things, but the one I've settled on is an app called Newsify. And it's really nice. I just love the interface. So Newsify basically takes all your blogs and, and feeds them into one place in a nice app where you can read them. I can read them offline in many cases, or at least a big chunk of the story offline. You can have different ways to view the information as well. Um, I have a preferred system and i also like there's a nighttime mode as well sometimes if i can't get to sleep or wake up in the middle of the night and i just want to read something i don't want a a phone blasting light at me and it's been proven that that doesn't help at all when you want to get back to sleep however they have a nighttime mode as well where you can switch it so it's not as bright it turns the um, phone colors all around Really good. Free as well. There is a paid version, but there's no need to pay for it. Um, the, the free version of Newsify is is really good. So if you're looking for a good place to bring all your blogs into one feed, into one app, check this out, Newsify. It'll be in the show notes, which is thepropertyhub.net forward slash where to invest 2016. Yeah, and I'm still using um, Feedly, which we've talked about in the past, which is 
all right. It's it's pretty similar. But I think if you're they, these things that we're talking about, they're called RSS readers. But don't don't let the tech terminology put you off. Basically, it does just pull everything you're interested in into the same place, so you don't have to go and check ten or twenty different websites. And if you're not using one of those, I think you really should be because it just means that you can take in so much more information without putting in any more effort. And like Rob said, because you can get it offline. It means that when you're sitting on the train and you've already listened to the podcast and you've got 10 minutes of your journey left, you can just access loads of information from all over the web. So yeah, I think you should definitely be checking those out if you haven't already. So last night at the meetup, a few people were saying how they enjoyed the podcast, but it's amazing how many people say they enjoy the resources. And we do a show, we've done it the last couple of years, towards Christmas, where we look at our top fives or our top threes. We haven't decided yet, but we're going to look at our best resources. We're going to look at the apps we, we've got the most out of this year. We're going to look at books and some of the favourite resources. So that's next week's topic. A little bit different, but actually it's one of the more popular episode types we do because people just love the tech that we use and we're, we're pretty forward thinking in the tech we use for our businesses and our personal lives and we really geek out on this stuff. So get prepared for two excitable robs next week. Yep. Also, gift ideas, uses for leftover turkey, um, all that kind of thing. No, we're not really going to do that. But it is coming up to Christmas. And there will be some things in there which you might want to use as last-minute gift ideas, at least if you know people as geeky as we are. Okay, so that is us for this week. Do go check out the show notes because there are a whole bunch of links that we've talked about. Thepropertyhub.net slash where to invest 2016. And get over to the Property Hub and let us know what you think there as well. Is there anything where you think we've missed the mark? Uh, have you got your own places where you're looking and you don't mind letting a few other people in on the secret there are plenty of houses to go around after all do let us know we in the meantime will be back on tuesday with another episode of ask rob and rob until then enjoy the rest of your week bye-bye bye-bye thanks for listening to the property podcast make sure you join our mailing list at thepropertypodcast.com and remember we love five-star reviews rob even loves the modern air miles 